All right, welcome back. This is Mike Smith filling in for Simi Sarah. What a busy week it's been in BC politics, highlighted, of course, by the government's rollout of no-fault auto insurance. We've assembled our BC politics panel. McLean Kay is here. He's the editor-in-chief of the ORCA website. McLean, thanks for coming in. Thanks very much for having me on. Okay, we'll figure this. (laughs) Shannon Waters is here, too. She's a reporter with BC Today. Shannon, thank you for coming in. Yeah, good to be here, Mike. Okay, guys, let's start with the uh, no-fault auto insurance, or as Shannon reminded me during the commercial break there, what does the government call it? They don't call it no-fault. Enhanced care. Here in BC, the government is calling it the enhanced care model, but the government's own white paper on making the change acknowledges that the systems that the BC system is based on call their system no fault. So Manitoba and Saskatchewan call it no fault insurance. BC looked at those systems to inform its own, but we're calling it enhanced care. Why do they not want to call it no fault? Is it getting, does no fault got kind of a bad, bad rap, the name? Maybe they want to avoid it or? I think it's mostly about the fact that to date, the government has said we're not going to a no fault model. Yeah. Yeah. They said they would not bring in no fault. So they bring in no fault and call it something else. What did you think, McLean, about the rollout of this uh, big announcement yesterday? Well, it all happened very quickly, obviously. We, we sat uh, getting briefed for three hours. Um, but uh, I think politically, it's actually a good move. Um, we'll see if it holds up you know, legally and if it does the things they say it will do. Um, but you know, they're trying to force the liberals into the position of, well, defending lawyers. We're on, we're on your side, and they're only for the blood-sucking lawyers. Right. And what did uh, I spoke to liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson on the show yesterday and Shannon and, and he basically said that he he's opposed to this, what the government's doing here. And he tweeted out that he stands with drivers um, and giving people more options. So what, tell me, talk to me a little bit about the politics of this thing. Is this kind of a risky is this a trap that Wilkinson's fallen into here? I think I do kind of agree with McLean that, yeah, the government wants to see the liberals try and back a group of people who are not very popular among sort of the, the general lawyers. public. That being said, ICBC is not that popular among the general yeah. public either. And there are a lot of people who have an experience with the system that is not a good one, whether it's high premiums or having been injured in a crash and having to sort of fight for benefits and get nickeled and dimed on reimbursement for care that they need. Yeah. So... The government is kind of saying, you need to trust us, and then you need to trust the system, and everything will get better. Right. And I think there's a lot of people who are skeptical about that right now. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's something that Wilkinson himself seemed to seize on yesterday, saying, do you trust ICBC? Do you really trust this government? And maybe that's kind of the strongest hand he can play. But if the government delivers on their promises here, and they actually cut people's auto insurance premiums by 20% next year. McLean, for your thoughts, I mean, isn't uh, Wilkinson maybe on the wrong side of it? Well, I mean, we'll see. First of all, it's going to have to withstand a very vigorous legal challenge from the trial lawyers uh, and probably among others. And whether which which they'll lose, which they might lose. Um, But the the thing is, is going to be not just whether this lasts a year, but I think it's fair to be skeptical when the government says this is going to lower your premiums. It's going to increase your benefits with no downside whatsoever. It's an incredibly obvious no lose situation. But, you know, where was this three years ago? Right. And and in fact, I guess the government in a lot of ways acknowledged that yesterday. And EBS said, does it if this does this sound too good to be true? And it kind of does sound too good to be true, doesn't it, Shannon? I mean, can they deliver on this? 
Well, the government acknowledged that yesterday. I mean, yeah. I think at least two or three times we were told this sounds too good to be true. Yeah. Here's why it's not too good to be true. Right. Um, and I think the proof is going to end up being in the pudding. Like yeah. in the shorter term, people's premiums are supposed to go down 20%. By the time right. we get to the next election, most people should have seen a significant reduction in their premiums. So that could work out very well in the NDP's favor. At the same time, when it comes to the overhaul of benefits, that's going to take longer for people to see whether they really are better than what's being offered right now. I remember when the NDP tried this a long time ago in the 1990s. You guys are too young to remember this, but I'm old enough to I covered it. And the NDP ended up backing down. They proposed to do no-fault auto insurance. There was a backlash, not only from the lawyers, which is expected, but in the 90s, also a big backlash from the disabled community. So I remember there were there were protest rallies by people in wheelchairs and stuff saying, don't do this to us. People have been catastrophically injured in car accidents and furious at the idea of no-fault insurance. And the government caved. They just backed down right away. I think EB is a, a, a student of BC political history, and he knew that that was a pitfall for them last time. This time, it appears they've got the disabled groups on their side and saying they kind of like what they hear on this on this plan. Is that critical, do you think, for this thing going forward? Oh, absolutely critical in the short term. But I mean, not to echo Shannon, but the the proof will be in the pudding. The first acid test won't come from getting um, people to validate uh, the press release. It's going to come from the first time someone who is catastrophically injured and doesn't like what they're being offered from ICBC and wants to sue. That first case will get a lot of attention. And that that's when I think we'll uh, we'll see if it's going to work or not. Right. The lawyers were saying to me yesterday that, oh, this is just going to be like workers comp. It's going to end up like a WCB work safe type system. And if you want to get people angry, talk to them if they feel like they've been treated fairly by work safe, if they've been injured at work, which is another sort of similar no fault system. I think that's going to be the challenge going forward here. If this thing does work or people end up hating ICBC even more if it doesn't work. Part of me wonders if that's even possible. I mean, I don't. Nobody likes a monopoly in the first place. Most people don't like, you know, insurers and having to deal with that situation. That being said, what the government has said and what EB had sort of said going back to um, the way this was received in the 90s and the way it didn't go forward, things have changed. ICBC is in way worse shape. And there have been a lot more examples, I think, covered of people who have been catastrophically injured and have maxed out the benefits under the current system. And they're nowhere near adequate for the kind of support that people need when they are catastrophically injured in in a car crash. I think the other part that the and and where the attorney general has insisted that this is not a no fault system is that bad drivers will still be held accountable. They will still see their premiums go up if they're causing lots of crashes. And for those who are found criminally responsible, um, we don't have the specifics of what those charges would be. But for people who are presumably like drunk driving or something like that. Yeah. Reckless driving. Right. Without due care and attention, possibly those people, um, the individuals who are hurt by those people will have the option to sue them outside. Right. So that's why the government say it's not a total no fault. There, there is some, you know, recourse to the courts in some some circumstances. I think the government. Uh, it seems to be pretty happy with the way that this rolled out yesterday. I think they're pleased that the liberals are going against it because I think maybe they're thinking this is a good wedge issue for the NDP. Do you think next week, McLean, with the legislature coming back into session, all the, all the MLAs coming back to Victoria, the throne speech is on Tuesday. Does the government keep pushing the, pushing the gas pedal down on this and, and really make this a big, uh, big platform for them next week? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the NDP are trying to sell themselves as the party of affordability. Yeah. And rising ICBC premiums, no matter who you blame, were kind of the Achilles heel, or one of them, I guess. And so if they can at least claim to be doing something um, that is uh, reversing the trend of, of increased premiums for a lot of people, then yeah, of course, they're going to pedal to the metal, as you say, within speed limits. Right, right okay. Um, guys, let's talk uh, just real quickly in the couple of minutes we got left on the what so uh, the coastal gas link pipeline there is a uh, protest group on the front steps of the bc legislature right now they've been there for what a couple of days shannon is that how long they've been there i think they arrived yesterday yesterday okay um that of course is when the rcmp enforcement uh began this week so there were a to me it looked like there were a smaller group there yesterday there seemed to be more people on the steps today we're also seeing some disruption in downtown victoria uh with people drumming and demonstrating right on douglas street um so there are people who are reacting to the rcmp's enforcement of this injunction now there's not a whole lot going on at the legislature today fridays right. tend to be quiet we're not back in session until next week but prorogation is scheduled for tuesday and that's when right. the lieutenant governor usually goes through the ceremonial gates that currently have a group of protesters in front of them yeah like i'm starting to wonder now if this could be um a showdown here next week mclean if these protesters are still there blocking the doors of the legislature when the lieutenant governor shows up with all the pomp and ceremony and a 21 gun salute i mean uh, do these guys do these protesters there know that this is coming up on tuesday are they planning to stay there i guess we don't know well, I mean, I'm sure they know that's what's coming next week. They they can Google. But um, I mean, look, here's the thing. We, we've had throne speeches here disrupted by protests and the arrival of the lieutenant governor. In fact, it's difficult to recall a time when there weren't protests when the lieutenant governor has arrived. Will it be different if people are barricaded through the ceremonial gates? Yes, I suppose. Um, but we'll see if they maybe they can just go in a side door. Guys, uh, uh, thanks very much for that. A busy week. We're going to have another busy one next week. We'll have to get you back. Thanks very much for coming in.